Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! He's the fastest man on the planet. He did up there, Rabbits. A little bit of a longer episode today on the Supercoach Preview, joined by a pretty special guest and a guest that you're going to be hearing from uh, a lot more this season and then potentially moving forward. We'll have to still work out the nooks and crannies, but uh, happily to introduce Brew SC, who is uh, currently ranked 204th overall now. Uh, Brew, aka Glenn, whatever you want to refer to him as. Yeah, pretty pretty good season so far. Two hundred and fourth in the rankings. Not a bad, uh, not a bad little knock there. A very very uh, prominent figure in the Twitter community, but is making his way into the podcast sphere. And uh, no better time to bring him on than now. Brew, how you going, mate? Excellent. How are you today? Good, mate. Good. Uh, your your season's going a lot better than mine right now. I've, I don't know if you'd call it luck or skill, but yeah, I'm on fire at the moment. Yeah, two hundred fourth overall, mate. Um, I guess tell us a little bit about the season that you've had so far. What I guess, what was the big sliding door moment? I know a lot of successful coaches uh, obviously ran the, the Garrick-Hines combination pretty early and something that I missed out on. I think that's going to cost me a lot of points, but I'm sure I'm sure that you jumped on Garrick and Hines and, and reaped the rewards from there. Outside of those two, I guess, what were some other big sliding door moments for you that really set you apart from, I guess, the rest of the pack? Um, it all started by selling James Tedesco. I never thought I would be saying those words, but... When Kiri went down early, I made the choice to jump off Tedesco at nearly $900,000. I got Pappenhausen in at the time. I made a lot of money and I just kept rotating my fullbacks and making money, making money, and then hanging on to these mid-card guys so I could build out a squad. Yeah, I, I remember, I think Kiri went down and then the week after Tedesco got a 74. Now on the, on the surface, that looks like a, a fantastic score. Um, you'll, you'll take that with, with Teddy, but... I did pose a question on the podcast, on the social media pages. Is it time to sell Tedesco? And I copped a lot of backlash for it, but my gut instinct was to sell Teddy. I didn't end up doing it, but you obviously went down that route, brought in Pappenhausen. It was, it's interesting that you didn't have Pappenhausen from, from day one. Who was the other fullback that you partnered him with? Uh, I started with Latrell Mitchell, actually. Yeah, right. Latrell, uh, I know he started the season quite well, but nothing like Pappenhausen for that 200-point score against... Uh, I think it was the Broncos, which uh, yeah helped a lot of people. It's funny how um, how important fullbacks are this year. I've got my captaincy choices pretty much bang on all year. I captained Cleary for his monster score. I captained Turbo. I captained Pappy. Uh, and I was still sort of floundering. So it shows you how important those sort of big scores are. You really need to capitalize on them. Obviously, started with Latrell, started with Teddy, moved on to Pap. Uh, and now I'm, I'm sure you're, you're all aboard the Tom Trevojevic train as well. I think I had maybe eight trades at full. Sounds ludicrous, but I when Pappenhausen went down, I think Latrell Mitchell went down at the same time from memory, and I remember doing a double trade and bringing in Turbo and Ponga, and then Ponga went down, and I went back to, uh, I think I went back to Tedesco, and then I went to Matt Dufty for a little bit, and 
I'm back on Ponga at the moment. So I've had a lot of moves, but I've made a lot of money in Fort. And that Pappenhausen thing that you mentioned when he got the double ton, that was actually, that was the week that I brought him in or 197 or whatever it was. That's the week that I brought him in and I did captain him that week. So it was a bit of a masterstroke. Yeah, not uh, not a bad week to bring someone in. Now, for, for guys that are sort of pushing around the same sort of spot as you, to get an idea as to where sort of you're at with your team, uh, with your trades, whatnot, how you're set up. How many trades are you sitting at right now with the run home? I'm on a big fat duck egg, actually, and I'm not in the best spot. Uh, I've got a lot of injuries, uh, especially in the second row. Um, so I'm just hanging on and hoping I can... Well, I, obviously I want to finish in the top 100, but I'm not sure that's going to happen with all my injuries. I'm hoping I can stay top 500, I think would be a good result. Yeah, so with the zero trades, is that, have you made trades this week or were, you, were you zero trades coming into the week? No, it was zero trades coming into the week. So I think I was out last week. I think I was gone. Um, I'm carrying CHN, Toho Harris, Sean Johnson, uh, Brian To'o, and Ben Hunt. So I'm scraping the barrel at the moment, but I'm surviving. Yeah, I guess having no trades is one thing, but do you have the bench depth there to cover? Are you forced to play someone like a CHN or do you have enough depth in your reserves to, to cover for that? No, I'm still not playing CHN, so I'm, I'm okay. Um, Pangai coming back, hopefully this week will help, or at least next week. Um, To'o, if he comes back, might be around around grand final week or semi-final week. Um, coming first in the top, top sport charity league at the moment, so I'm really hoping that he does come back for me. Yeah, that top sport charity league, it's a, a fantastic initiation. Um, from Top Sport. For anyone not following, uh, they put out the call to a lot of, I guess, known personalities in the community. Uh, I think it's it's $5,000, correct me if I'm wrong, that goes to a charity of the winner's choice. And obviously leading that right now would be fantastic to to uh, for the money to go to the charity you've got. Um, mate, look, we've got you on this week and we'll get you on uh, for the rest of the year, as we said. We're going to touch on this week, first and foremost, Supercoach Preview coming up. A lot of teams in a similar boat. Teamless Tuesday news, there was a couple of ins, couple of outs. I've seen more crazy Teamless Tuesday news, but... One thing that sort of threw a spanner in the works, I'm not too sure if you still own him, but the Ryan James and Corey Horsburgh news, them moving to the Canterbury-Brankstown Bulldogs. Is Ryan James someone that's still on your side, or did you did you ever own him? Did you capitalize on the money that he made? Never owned him. I uh, I remember he he was on my fringe list all preseason, and then I think he went bonkers the first two weeks. I think he might have scored a try and, and had a big output. And I brought him in round three, did nothing, played him one week, got a HIA, and uh, yeah, that was that. Unfortunately, apart from apart from that news, like I said, the the teamless Tuesday news sort of back and forth a little bit. There's there's been bigger teamless as we've said, but we'll go straight into I guess the top ten most traded out pet players. No surprise here. Angus Crichton tops the list at sixteen point two percent of uh, coaches. He is out until grand final week. I am gutted about this. I didn't think the the tackle looked all that bad. I thought the Roosters would challenge this one. And uh, I generally had a pretty good feeling that he'd get off it. But the same take the early guilty plea has thrown uh, myself and, and a lot of other coaches out. I think he had a 33, 34% ownership. So, uh, yeah, fair fair bit of the community hit by this Angus Crichton news. Yeah, that, that one's a deep burn for me. Roosters fan, and obviously I own him as well. And when you compare that to Viliami Kikau, virtually the same tackle, no charge. I'm a bit salty about that one. Number two on the list, Reed Marnie out for the season. No surprises here. Nothing to really touch on here. Just sucks for owners that brought him in after the bye. 
This one here, I guess, has more talking points. Nico Hines at number three. Now, lost 112k last week. I think his break-even is around 170 this week. Is this a case of you're only trading him out for a luxury trade, or do you feel that if you've got fit men on the park, you just have to play them? I'd be selling Hines myself. Obviously, I can't. Um, but I, I think short of Pappenhausen getting injured or another uh, concussion, I can't see Hines doing enough. Uh, he's getting the 40, 45 minutes at the moment per game. Um, he's normally getting one, sometimes two try assists in that time, but it's only 40 to 50 points. And I don't think it's enough points that it's going to hurt you to trade him. I think there's more upside in trading him at the high price, bringing in a pod uh, and, and going that route. Yeah, still 698k, so there's plenty of money to be moved around there if you did trade him out. Uh, Brian Toto sitting in fourth spot as the fourth most traded net player. Nothing too surprising here. Uh, teams may not just had the chance to do it last week. Dane Laurie, another one here injured. Not a whole lot to talk about here. Now, Clint Gutherson, we know how poor the Parramatta Jewel run is coming home. We know how much they're sort of slipping out of contention for the top four now. Clint Gutherson, I feel, is a, is a much more trade asset. Uh, someone that I feel is a much more a priority trade than someone like a Nico Hines because Hines... In that 40 minutes that he gets, it could put on 80, 90 points. I just don't see Gutho doing that with this Parramatta side and how deep the fullback position is and how stacked it is. Uh, I'm surprised to see that he's only sixth on this list. I guess not many people would own Gutho, and that is maybe the reason why. But for me, that with the Parramatta draw they have and the slipping slide that they're on, Gutho has to go for me. Yeah, I agree. I think he's definitely a sell. Uh, Parramatta's in a big hole at the moment. They're not playing very good football, and there's just some options at fullback that are tantalizing James Tedesco would be a, has a great run home a couple of hard games but he's got a cracking matchup this week against the team that obviously gives up the most points to fullbacks you got Kalen Ponga as well playing pretty well but he's not even hitting the surface of what he can do and if he does he can he can go 150 he could do that this weekend against the Sharks yeah I'm very very scared looking at that Sharks matchup as a non-owner like with with Gutho there's just so many better options. And, and back in, I think it was round 19, I put out a post and I ranked the top 10 fullbacks for the run home. And I had Gutho and Stone last uh, for the fullbacks coming home. I had guys like Will Kennedy. I had guys like Matt Dufty before he was dropped. I had guys like Luttrell, Reese Walsh. Um, there's just plenty of other options above him with Gutho. And it's just it's just not sort of working out. Number seven, Corey Hadawiranaira. Coming off the bench, uh, I think he got mid-20s last week. Ricky Stewart doesn't use his bench options hugely. And, and Corey Hadawiranaira does have the, the big attacking upside, but if you're forced to play him, I think it's a sell. I agree. Yeah, I would sell, especially with Ricky's history with, with these guys that we think are studs and then suddenly they're just not playing football for Canberra anymore. I think it's dire signs. I can't see him getting the minutes short of injuries. And if you can, I probably would sell. A guy like, say, Cameron Murray is not too far price-wise, and that's a gold trade for me. Cameron Murray would probably be the first forward I would buy this week if I could. Yeah, we'll touch on the trade-ins soon, but I'm pretty sure Cam Murray is up there. Uh, next at number eight is Jason Broken Hands Tam Lolo. This seems to be a common thing. Looks like he's out for the season. Todd Payton playing him on the edge. I made a joke in another podcast today that uh, maybe Todd Payton is looking out for our super coaches for 2022 uh, with the low price. We're going to pick up Tam Lolo. And I just cannot get my head around what is happening in Townsville and what, what he's doing with this rotation. Like Tam Lolo was, Tam Lolo isn't going to be someone that's going to win you a premiership. You need to build around him. And I feel like Todd Payton is trying to slot Tam Lolo into a hole when, when Tam Lolo is his own sort of beast. And, and 
yeah, I don't, I don't know what Todd Payton's done to to ruin this. Yeah, I think it's a case of the Payton punching bag again. Tell Malolo. Yeah, just uh, break, breaking breaking some walls with those hands. I, I don't blame him at all. Oh, he's just he seems to be getting injured at the most ironic times this year, and what this is probably the third time that it's happened. You know, he gets slotted on the edge. He clearly didn't enjoy it last week, and now he's gone again. So, just makes me laugh. Number nine is a trade on this list that makes zero sense to me at all. Uh, it's the one that, that sort of baffles my mind. And it's James Fisher-Harris. Now, I feel if you're going to trade James Fisher-Harris, you did it three weeks ago. You don't do it now when he's back next week. I absolutely would not be selling him at all. He's a stud. You know what you're going to get out of him. He might not bang out tons every week, but you also need those players that give you the constant points. There's no way I'd be selling Fisher-Harris, especially with all the injuries around. But that's the thing. Like, I would sell him three weeks ago when he was first announced out but the fact that he's back next week, like that has been confirmed by Ivan Cleary, that has been confirmed by pretty much every reliable source. I just don't understand why you would sell him now on the brink of his return. Number 10, Ben Hunt's out for the season. Nothing to really touch on here. Uh, just one of those bitter trades you have to swallow. Looking at the most traded in players, number one is your man, Cam Murray. I am concerned with Cam Murray. I know that he's a gun trade in. I just worry that playing three Origin games... Uh, South Sydney have a have a locked up top four spot. They can't lose it. Do you see Wayne Bennett resting him twenty four round twenty five? Um, I think it's circumstantial. You've got those three teams; they're all locked on the same amount of points. South are scoring a lot of points week to week at the moment. Can they close the gap on Melbourne? Highly, highly unlikely. But I do think they're going to want that top two spot. So if the Panthers, Storm, and Bunnies keep winning they will have something to fight for in those last two weeks. So, yeah, you raise a good point, but I'm not sure Murray would get dropped. He might get less minutes once. Seeing, like, there's there's some other second roles on this list that we'll touch on eventually, but there's two guys from Newcastle that I much prefer over Cam Murray, just with the consistency of minutes. And we know that Lachlan Fitzgibbon is out. That's going to see Mitch Barnett probably play 80. I would say go very, very close to playing 80. And his partner in crime, Tyson Frizzell. I think both these guys have much more locked-on spots. Knights are fighting for a top-eight spot. I just feel that, like, with the run that they've got and with so much attacking upside and the fact that Cam Murray is $670,000, I'd prefer to go somewhere like a Frizzella Barnett, personally. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash achieve today. Barnett, if we have confidence that Barnett's going to get 80 minutes on an edge, he showed it at the start of the season. Weapon, he's going to bang you out about 60 at least every week. He'd be running off Kalen Ponga, which means there's always that try-scoring upside. I definitely like it if you have faith that O'Brien's not going to put him back to the bench or move to lock or anything like this. And even if you don't have faith that O'Brien does that, do we not like Tyson Frizzell on the other side of the field who is locked into play 80? Yeah, oh, Frizzell. Frizzell's an animal. I've been looking at him as a pod all year. It's just this year I changed my tactic and I didn't really vent for pods too often. Um, I definitely consider consider him absolutely. Yeah, I, I got him as my last trade last week, and uh, I think he pumped out sixty seventy base week before. I think he may have done something similar 
there. We know the attacking upside that he possesses. I do like Barnett because you've got the threat of Bradman Best and Anari Tuala as well. We know that the Knights swing left. And I think there's going to come a time where teams just start falling off Barnett. Um, they start attacking Best. They start trying to close him down heavily. And we go back to that combination we saw three or four years ago when Ponga just kept feeding Fitzgibbon tries. And I could definitely see that happening with Barnett. I love the fact that he's now back in the second row as well. It's going to help him hugely. Number two on this list, Harry Grant. Coming off the bench, this, I don't care about this at all. Harry Grant is a stud. He is the best hooker option, in my opinion, even though he's coming off the bench. By a country mile, he is the best hooker. I've actually held him for probably the last eight weeks. Patiently held him, so I've been happy that he's come back and firing on all sellers, even if he's playing some people off. But what Harry Grant can do in 60 minutes, most of the other options can't do in 80 there is one more man that I feel can match him slightly. We'll touch on him in a second. But number three, Ruben Garrick. I think it's proved now that he is match-proof. Uh, he has a great base for a winger. I think if he pumps out 25 to 30 points, that's awesome. Considering the amount of points that Manly score, that's going to add 25, 30 points in, in goal-kicking as well. His goal-kicking has improved dramatically. So, uh, yeah, 100 points against the Storm last week has pretty much proven he is match-proof. Uh, traded in by 6.6% of coaches. At a $710,000 price bracket, I don't care about the money with Ruben Garrick. Uh, if you had it, you get him, don't you? At this time of the year, you just got to get the points and not look at the dollars. If you can afford it, do it. Turbo goes left so often, and he's just unstoppable. Definitely at least get a long break. Oh. <laughs> I'd say during the game, he'll then get his conversions. He'll then get his base. He's probably going to pump out at least 50. There's nothing wrong with that on a bad day. Every time I see... Every time I see Garrick go huge, it just makes me cry inside even more. Listeners of the show will know I rave on about this every week. But back in round six, when Turbo came back fully fit, uh, I think Garrick was less than 400k. He was averaging 50s in sort of base and goal kicking. And I said, get Ruben Garrick like he will be a star. Turbo's going to make him look a weapon. And of course, I didn't follow my own advice. And, and we now sit here with Ruben Garrick being probably one of the best center wings. Mate, you said Harry Grant was was the best hooker by far in terms of super coach. I think one man matches him uh, not so much like for like, but I think you could do a lot worse uh, than picking up Victor Radley at $100,000 less. I touched on Radley in the preseason, uh, said that coming off a serious injury, he's going to start the year slow. But statistically, when he plays more than 60 minutes, he averages 77. And bar one score of 35 a couple of weeks ago, he's put out some ridiculous scores. Victor Radley's ball playing through the middle. As a Roosters fan, mate, you'd know yourself. Uh, I really like Radley, especially that he's available at hooker. The Roosters with Radley are just a better side. He shores up the middle. He follows the hookers. He follows the playmakers up the guts. There's always going to be options of attacking stats with Radley because he follows that ball so well and he runs so hard. I definitely don't hate it, especially with him being joined. You say that he follows the, the hookers and he follows the ball. One man that follows him is James Tedesco, who just loves to push through the middle. Uh, and, and that Radley-Tedesco combination, as a Roosters fan, mate, you'd know that it's it's breathtaking. And, and Radley can just open up so many things for, for Teddy, so it's a hand-in-hand. Hand. Another Roosters uh, player, Joey Manu, when he came onto the scene during the bye weeks, uh, look, I liked the purchase of him, but I didn't think he'd be as successful as what he was. His base has gone through the roof. Uh, Joey Manu is just, yeah, I posted on Facebook that he is Brian Toto 2.0. Just with the amount of hit-ups that he's doing, he's, he's running 220, 230 meters a game. And that's definitely translating to Supercoach base. Yeah, well, that way ended up going Sione Katoa as an ultimate pod move. It didn't pay off on the week. Uh, it paid off a couple of weeks later when he got a ton. But outside of that, he's getting pretty meager scores of 30s and 40s most weeks. I'm pretty dirty on Manu, but as a Roosters fan, can he please stay on the wing? 
I'll read you Manu's stats from round 17 to the bye round. At fullback, he went 79 with a base of 38. The week after at fullback, he went 89 with a base of 40. The week after that, he was in the centers. He had a, he went 97 with a base of 44. He went 108 on the wing with a base of 45. And then he went 97 last weekend with a base of 42. It's uh, yeah, not, not bad numbers for a guy that we... We avoided hard uh, until it just some, something's flicked a switch, and Adam Adam not Adam O'Brien Trent Robinson, sorry, has just told him to run the ball, and it's it's devastating, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. But at this rate, he's going to be the preseason hot topic, I think, and he's going to cost a fortune. It's going to be an interesting off season. He's had two scores below forty in the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine weeks, and the rest of them have been above sixty. So. Uh, yeah, Joey Manu, I wouldn't say he's a, he's a pod move anymore because a lot of teams are bringing him in. Uh, there's been 4.6% of teams bringing him in this week alone. But if you jumped on early in the bye week, uh, you are laughing all the way to the bank. The Tigers have a really good run home, mate. Luciano Lelua, another one of these guys, is putting out uh, decent base stats. He loves an offload, loves to break a tackle. I think one of the hardest blokes in the NRL to tackle, uh, just the way that he runs the ball. He is 525k. Does have, does have great attacking upside, and the Tigers have a pretty nice run home. How do we feel about Luciano? 5.25 doesn't concern me this season when you've got people that are averaging, well, sorry, priced at eight nine 900K. I think that price for Luciano is a good price. The attacking upside is there, and the Tigers, whilst they're not necessarily winning week in and week out, they have won the last few. Playing good for you, I think, in attack. Um and Luciano will definitely benefit from that. I can see more tries coming over the next couple. He's had a couple of scores below 50. So he's had a 46, a 43, a 47 in recent weeks. But we counted that with a 77, a 75, a 68, a 64, 69, 83, and 105 on the weekend. So looks like his floor is mid-40s and his ceiling can go as high as 110. Uh, yeah, I really like this pickup. I think with the Tigers run home, they've got... The Cowboys, the Sharks, the Panthers, and the Bulldogs. That Panthers game, they could be resting a lot of players as well. So, yeah, really, really don't mind that at all. Lucian Leilua could be a a huge, huge smoky. Number eight on the list, Damien Cook. He had a sort of mid-60s last week with 50 base. You'll take that from Cookie. It's not what we know that he can do, but uh, he's just a little bit too inconsistent for me, Damien Cook. When you've got guys like Radley and, and Harry Grant emerging as probably the better hooker options. I'm not, I'm not against the Cook purchase. I just feel there is some better options. Yeah, uh, I looked at Cook a few times this year, and the inconsistency is what turned me off. He he's banged out a few times, and he's looked fantastic. Zero is where is the Damian Cook that we've known for the last few seasons? That's just an attacking weapon. So it's probably a no for me on Cook. Yeah, it's just it's it's either it's either one hundred and five or thirty. I feel like obviously he got six in the, in the weekend, but it's just yeah, the eye test. He just sometimes just goes missing. I'm not too sure what's going on. I, Remember 2019, 2020, when the rules changed to incorporate quicker play, everyone frothed over Damian Cook. And this year, you, you would think it'd be no time more than ever for him to dominate. But yeah, just hasn't um, hasn't kicked on as much as we, we would have thought, unfortunately. Number nine, a guy that I can never get behind and a guy that forever, I, I always see him in my head-to-heads and I'll play against him. He has 25 points with five minutes to go on the clock and he'll score a try and then do something else. And it's Brendan Smith. I, I don't know what if it's a psychological thing, but I can just never get behind the cheese. When you do it every week, is it luck? That guy just, he's, he's like, he's such a warm bat. He just always gets that ball and low. I haven't owned him this year. 
uh, and he got, his price skyrocketed and it was really burning me at some stage because he was highly owned in that top 100 who I've been competing with. I don't know if now's the time. Um, he could get a rest uh, with Melbourne uh, in the position that they're in, so I'd probably avoid now, but I'm dirty that I didn't get him earlier in the season. I think he'll definitely get a rest, mate. I feel like Harry Grant needs the minutes. Craig Bellamy will play him coming into the finals. The Chiefs has played most of the year and been a very good servant, and I think Grant needs the, the miles in his legs. I, I just much prefer to go um, Harry Grant. Number 10, your man, James Desco. Brought in by 2.2% of teams, which doesn't seem like much, but the fact that he is owned by nearly 30% of teams uh, just shows you yeah, how good that, that Teddy is coming back. Uh, his break-even is 99. I'm not worried about the price at 700K. Did nothing on the weekend. Did I watched the game, did, did absolutely nothing and still pumped out nearly 100. So you'll, you'll definitely take that, won't you? You'll take that every day of the week. Those uh those crab walking sort of runs across the field, he'll break tackles and whatnot, and they'll be warded as tackle busts. I I think they shouldn't be, but they are. And Teddy is the king of that, and uh, absolutely dominates the the tackle bus count for all fullbacks. Mate, we'll move into captains this week. There's a couple of games we're looking at. I mean, Matt Burton against the Dragons could be a pretty good VC option. You obviously got Teddy against the Broncos. The problem with going Teddy is obviously rules out uh, Turbo. It's hard to go away from Turbo, isn't it? Um, you've also got the Rabbitohs versus the Titans. You've got the Cowboys versus the Tigers. You've got the Warriors versus the Bulldogs. Uh, we'll come to Reese Walsh in the, in the q and I'm an owner. I love him. The problem with going Reese Walsh is, like I said, you don't go turbo. This is where we have to work out what fullback we're choosing. Where are we sort of leaning towards captains this week? Uh, I'm in the same boat. Ponga's got a really good matchup, um, but I can't go part. I, I don't think I could watch the game if I didn't captain turbo this week. Him playing Parramatta doesn't scare me at all. So I'll definitely have the captain on turbo. I'll lock and load that and play it safe. VC's a little bit harder. As you mentioned, there's quite a few options this week. You mentioned Matt Burton. I didn't even consider Matt Burton until you just said it. When I heard the Dragons, I was like, ooh. So I'll probably vice captain either Burton himself or Cody Walker was my plan. Yeah, it's against the Titans, which I did, both teams could put on I wouldn't be surprised if this game ends 40-36 to 36 in the in the Rabbitohs' favour. Like there, there could be just a, a mountain of points put on here. As I said, it's hard to, t- hard to pass up Teddy against the Broncos, but the problem is you, you lose the right for Turbo. and Especially, in, especially in, in my position, it's a little bit different. I think I can throw shit at the wall and hope something sticks, but inside the top 200, you, I think you want to just be playing with the crowd and, and making moves with your trades rather than your captaincy moves because... If you bring in a pod move for a trade and it, it loses, it, it's the worst trade by, say, five points. That's not going to affect you as much as captaining um, a Tedesco when he goes off for, for 80 and Turbo goes for 150. Now, that's going to be the one that kills you even more than your rogue trade. So, yeah, I think going with the hot hand in Turbo, we saw that he put up 100 board, 85 against the Melbourne Storm. Uh, just pretty much shows that he is match-proof, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And one thing about, I mentioned Cody... And Burton, they both play in time slots that I like. I find the six o'clock game on on the Friday night is often a, a good game for for Super Coach points. And Souths play hopefully a dry game at Seabass Super Stadium at three o'clock on Saturday. So Cody Walker in the day game, I'm probably going to lean that way. I'd think. Yeah, especially against the Titans with with, with the the game being so open, mate. Uh, we'll round up with the listener Q&A. We'll get this done nice and sharp today. We have a couple of questions. We have, I think, 12. I think I know the answer to this one because you alluded to it in the uh, most purchased, but this one comes from underscore TWM. 
Nico Hines worth keeping or selling with Pappenhausen coming back? I think I know your answer to this one, mate. Yeah, I guess it depends who you're selling to, but I personally think it's time to sell um, and look for a higher upside option. Hines, we don't know if the day's going to come soon where it's Pappenhausen that's getting 55 minutes and Hines is the one getting 35, and I think that is coming. Um, so I'd be selling now whilst you can at 700k, basically. Now, um, a move in teamless shooter that slipped my mind, I didn't even notice it. Obviously, Will Chambers has been stood down by the club. Uh, we have a question here. Who would you play this week? Would you play CHN coming off the bench with his attacking upside? Or we play Sifa Talakai, who's starting in the centers against the Knights? I'd play Talakai. So would I. I think Talakai is still going to have an okay base. I think he's still going to make some, some good runs out of his own half and... Yeah, I think Connor Tracy, Roden Trindle, whatever side he plays on, could definitely feed him some ball. Will Kennedy's playing some great footy as well. He's such a damaging ball runner. It only takes him to break the line once, and he's probably going to outdo what Harawira and Ira can. So, yeah, I'd definitely go Talakai. Max Smart says, Love your thoughts on the best centering options between Aiken, Holmes, and Manu. I think we put a spin on this. I, th- I reckon we rank them. Who would we take out of... Well, let's rank the one, two, and three. Aikens... Holmes and Manu. For me, I'd go Manu 1, Aikens 2, Holmes 3, but I'd love to get your thoughts. I'd probably have Holmes at 2. Aiken at... O- over Aiken, obviously. Uh, yeah, with Aiken number 3. I just love the fact that Aiken's so low-priced, like low owned. Um, there is big attacking up, so we saw what Josh Curran did, uh, giving a nice offload to, to Reese Walsh. Um, Aiken can break tackles. He's a He's a Good damaging ball runner. I think he's everything Cody. Uh, he's everything Corey Oates wanted to be as a back row. I really like this move from Aiken in the back row. I also think it depends on your ranking too. If you're a little bit further back, I'd happily take Aiken. Yeah, I I I, I tend to agree with the. Yeah, if you're playing head to head, I'd go Aiken as well. If you're trying to push for a top one k spot, I'd go Aiken as well. If you're trying to solidify where you are and you care about your end goal. Yeah, probably going probably going home with the with the goal kicking as well. I've got a pretty good matchup this week as well. Uh Beanon says keep trades to field a full squad each week, or do we make the trades for the best team overall? This is coming from an overall player, so this is probably right up your wheelhouse. If you had trades, would you be targeting just getting seventeen players on the park, or would you wait for the perfect opportunity to strengthen the side? That is a difficult question. I guess this I guess this comes down to would you play fifteen 15- 15 of your best players or 17 players with two sort of iffy questions. Iffy, let's say you had to play someone like a, a CHN and a Saab, you know, like that kind of thing. Would you rather play a weekend 17 or a really good 15? Uh, I'd probably play the weekend 17 because you never know. Yeah, I'd, I'd prefer to take the, the full squad as well. Gives you a better chance, like a free loop as well. Um, Kemi Curtis, is current a shout to bring in with a dream run home? I think he's a sneaky head-to-head gun. This is probably this is probably more my wheelhouse with the with the head to head things. I'm not really competing in classic. I like Josh Curran. Josh Curran's got a great workload. Uh, he's filling in that tohu role quite well. Uh, has added the the offload to to his bow. He's just throwing them left, right, and center, and just trying to get the play continuing on that second phase footy. Uh, we saw that he added that little sneaky play to Reese Walsh as well. I love Josh Curran personally. How do you feel? I love Josh Curran as well. When he was coming through reserve grade for the Roosters, they viewed him as a future captain. Yeah, and, and so they had that that higher wraps on him, and I was I was upset when he left because I was like, oh, he just can't get in the side because there was just no spot for him with Cordner and I like in the side, and I was happy for him to go elsewhere. And this year, seeing 
you know, Brown put so much faith in him. He's he's repaying that. And he's starting to show his true colours. When he burst onto the scene for the Warriors, he was a thorn in my side because every week I was like, he won't keep doing it. He won't keep doing it. He won't keep doing it. But every week he just seemed to pull out a bullshit try and just, yeah, get 60, 65, 70 points. It was pretty pretty good stuff to see if you're an owner. Another one of these guys is Josh Schuster. Did you get on Schuster from day one? I, I never owned Schuster. I was the same. Like, I had, I think, because Schuster's only available at 5 eighths. I think I had Matt Moylan in my 5.8s at the time as, as the backup 5.8s. And I think Moylan had a pretty good score the week before Schuster debuted. And I just thought, Moylan's going to continue with that rolling average. He'll be sweet, he'll be sweet, he'll be sweet. Which he did. I think he pumped out 55, 60 points. You'll take that, whatever. But the money that it freed up going Schuster. And then the thing with Schuster was the, the ability to be able to put the reserve on him pretty comfortably as well. I think that separated him as well. It's, it's all well and good having these cash cows. But if you can have a cash cow that you can put the reserve on, it makes life so much easier, doesn't it? I can't recall the players, but I couldn't get Schuster because I had two dual 5'8 hookers who I was moving as required. One would have been Watson. One was Watson. I can't remember who the other one was, but I was dueling. Was it Lachlan, was it Lachlan Lamb? Did you have Lachlan Lamb as well? I did have Lachlan Lamb to start the year. I- yeah, that, that may have been it because he was 5'8 hooker. Um, mate, this one, I think this one's a really good head scratcher. Would you anti-pod Harry Grant this week and play Braley to save a trade? I would lean towards yes, personally. So he doesn't own Harry Grant and he's asking, does he not trade him in this week and play Braley? Yeah, does he, does he go the anti-pod route by not getting Harry Grant in, but therefore saving a trade by playing, um, Jaden Braley, who is pretty much back to a nearly full-strength squad. You've got Pierce in the halves, Pong at fullback. You've got both Saifidi boys in the forward pack. You've got Frizzell, Barnett and Watson. That's pretty much... As best as the side the Knights are going to put on with the available with the available names they have, surely this has to be the time that, that Jaden Bradley comes around. Um, that's really tricky without knowing the circumstance. Depends if he's head to head. Depends if he's overall. Um, if if depends how much you value the trade, and if you think that you're going to need the trade, say for a head to head final later. If that's the case, then yes, hold the trade. Uh, and play Braley because you know that Braley's going to probably pump out at least 45. And then if he does go well, which he could go well against the Sharks, then he's going to have that higher upside and could match Grant effectively this week. Yeah, I think I think if you're playing a head-to-head, I'd hold the trade because you're going to try and look for that pod move uh, deeper into the finals we go. If you're a head-to-head player, you'd probably look to solidify your ranking. Jaden Braley, rounds 1 to 10, he averaged 74.2. His lowest score in those first 10 rounds with a 57. Like, he he was looking like the genuine buy of the year at his price. Started off at mid-300K. And then it, everything just sort of fell apart. Rounds 11 to 20, he averaged 45.8. So nearly 30 points in average drop-off. As I said, his, highest, his, his lowest score in rounds 1 to 10 was 57. His highest score in rounds 11 to 20 was, rounds 50, was 58 points. So his lowest score was the same as his highest in two separate time frames. There has to be this. This has to be the time that Braley comes back. I feel there's no better time than with the Knights fully fit with a really good draw. He is back from a week off with a HIA. I just really like Braley this week. I don't know about you. Uh, I've been saying I told you so for the last ten weeks. I never got Braley, and I kept. I did. The reason I didn't get Braley was because I said when Ponga comes back, that it's going to affect Braley's attacking upside, and it didn't at first. But then, it, uh, in the end, it has, and he's he's attacking upside's kind of gone down the gurgler, and he's not finding those that that junk, that sweet junk that he was getting earlier in the year, and driving me up the wall. My my hooker in wall preseason, it came down to Lachlan Lamb versus Jaden Bright because we had 
um, Jacob Little locked in. I think a lot of teams had Jacob Little locked in at the start of the season. And I ended up going for, for Braley just because of the fact that he'll play 80 every week. And it looked like a genius move. But yeah, the last 10 weeks, it's just it's just not been there. But yeah, I, I think there's no time like now for him to come back. Um, Brandon Nyers asks, do you think Ryan James gets a fair chunk of minutes and is he worth playing? I think he's an, an okay AE. If you have 18 guys and you need an AE for captaincy or whatnot, I think Ryan James would be okay. I've got no idea at all as to what his minutes are going to look like at this Bulldog side at all. I can't see him getting massive minutes. Um, I don't think that would be really fair on on the Bulldogs players that have you know, tried hard all season. I think he'll get some minutes. I think he'll just play typical bench minutes. Play him if, if he's your 17th and you have to play him, then of course play him. If it's... Oh yeah, there's definitely worse 17th minutes to have. You have a starting front rower that... We know Ryan James. Obviously, the game is not what it was, but Ryan James has pumped out scores of 150 on multiple occasions. So he's he definitely I'll has the upside. I'll one to there. you. Would you play James or would you play CHN this week? I'd play James. I think yeah, I think so I think James I. gets 35, 40 minutes and has a one PPM with 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 the attacking upside that he possesses. So yeah, I I feel like I feel James is like a, a safe 40, whereas CHN yeah CHN. What's the best case scenario that he we hope for a HIA to Hudson Young, and or, or we hope that he comes off the bench and he gets a try to get him to sixty. At worst, he gets like a twenty. I, I'd just prefer to take James there. I think. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, if you've held him this long, awesome. Um, great seventeenth man option, great eighteenth man option, but I wouldn't be relying on him to be starting front rower. Uh, Zach v- Valancis, I apologise if I butchered that, mate. Thoughts on Joey Lustig coming in for Marnie, and I think this this would have to be more more of a draft question, or if, it might be a classic question with a, a bloke that's got a bunch of trades up his sleeve. I looked at Joey Lussick for draft purposes. He can pump out your mid-50s or whatever. Is the mid-50s worth the money that you're going to save going from from Marnie to Lussick compared to Marnie to a Grant? I don't know. What do we what do we expect Grant's going to get? 65, 70 points? I wouldn't be doing that myself. Simply. I wouldn't be doing it myself, but if, it, if it's the only way for you to to go someone like a... If you had someone like a Charlie Staines and you wanted to get Ruben Garrick, I wouldn't be opposed to going Marnie to Lussick as like your 18th man option or your 17th man option. Because I do think it frees up a fair bit of cash and you could pump out sort of middling 50s. If it's but, to aid another trade to bring in an absolute top tier gun, then yeah, of course you oh, would 100%. do it. If, if you have one trade in the bank and you're, and you're going Marnie to Lussick, I would be advising you against it. But if it's to aid in going someone like a Staines to a, to a Garrick, yeah, I could I can get behind that. Yeah, I could get behind it under those. So Lussick's three thirty five. So there's there's definitely. Oh, is he three thirty five? Is he? Jeez, I thought he was like one eighty, one ninety. I I wouldn't be going Lussick at all then. Sorry. Yeah, I prefer Radley to be honest. Yeah, so do I. Sorry, I thought I haven't. I I didn't even look at his price. It was more of a draft thing. I thought he would be around the one eighty to two hundred thousand mark. Yeah, I would, I would not be going Lussick at all. I apologize for that one. Um, Andy asks, who is your biggest flop of two thousand and twenty? Now. I messaged him before we started recording. I said, do you, do you want me to touch on who the biggest flop in my team was or who the biggest flop just overall was for Supercoach? He's gone with Jack Whiten. Now, he said that Jack Whiten's had many of his size. So I'd love to get your idea as to who you think has been one of the bigger disappointments of 2021. Um, oh, Whiten has been bad. I think Whiten's been bad at an NRL level. Uh, who's been bad? I I threw... I threw this, was, this was nine weeks ago. This is another draft draft sort of story but nine weeks ago i offered josh jackson brian kelly in exchange for nico hines and 
Jack White. And obviously, Nico Hines, that worked out fantastic. I had that run of six weeks where he went monster. But Jack White has just been absolute... He scored 45 on the weekend with a try. Now, that try was not without, with, not without with a line break. So, take 17 off that. Takes it to 28 if I can count. But, like, it's just... The Raiders just look stagnant. And I don't know if that's a CHN thing. Sorry, CHN. I don't know if that's a CNK thing. If Chance comes back, does that free up Jack White at all? But Jack White's been bad, hasn't he? Really bad. I Yeah, I... The Raiders in general have been bad this year. They, I think they've really missed George Williams. I think they undervalued that guy a lot. But, yeah, they've been terrible. If I had to pick someone, I'd probably be leaning towards the second one name I say might surprise people. The first name's Taumalolo, obviously. His scores have been... He's gone from being, you know, an absolute elite front, like, second rower to not even really being a name. People have brought him in because of his history, not because of any form this year outside of the one. Maybe he got one ton where he got a try, I think. And the second name's actually Jerome Luai. Hey guys, just a really quick intermission here. I'm um, just letting you know from here on to the end of the episode, so about 15 minutes or so, the audio gets a little bit choppy. Uh, I've done the best I can to edit it to make it sound as best as I can. Uh, we're just trying to fix up Brew's audio quality as it's his first time podcasting, so just be patient. It's going to get better. Thanks, guys. That stung. Uh, that Jerome Luai one definitely stung. I I started off with, in my 5.8s, I went real cheap. I think I went Moylan and Watson. And that looked great on paper. Like, Watson was scoring well. Um, I think he was going mid-50s or whatever. But Luai had like a four-week stretch where he just went 60, 60, 60, 60. And then I made a podcast on this. I made a separate podcast outside my usual schedule. Because all the preseason talk was about, do we go what, do we go Munster or do we go Walker? And I, I come out and confidently said that, that Luai has thrown his hat into the ring of being one of the best 5'8s for Supercoach. I'm stalling for time here so I can pull up his stats. But yeah, he had he had like four weeks of, of like fantastic scores. And then it just sort of fell off a, off a cliff, didn't it? Yeah, I, I actually bought him at his peak price. So, so sorry, I'll, I'll read you out his, his, his season. 79, 94, 46, 128, 79, 81, 65, 57, 81. Fantastic start to the season. Like, that's a 65-70 average looking unreal. Round 10 rolls around 23, 41, 21, 40, 31, 33, 44, 30. Has had not one score above 50 since round 10. And I bought him at the, after the 128. I bought him after the 128 too, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I, I tell a lie. I think I, bought him, I think I bought him for the Broncos game. So he scored 81, 65, 57, 81. I was like, yeah, awesome, and then yeah, it just it just yep. nosedived. Is that do we, do we think that's because Cleary has just Absolutely. taken over? Absolutely. Yeah, that that left that left edges, and and I think Matt Burton as well really stifles Jerome Luai. Now Matt Burton's playing fantastic with Supercoach, but Matt Burton isn't your typical center. They're using Matt Burton as a ball player, so the ball's going to Burton, and that that's shutting Luai out. Luai will give Burton was playing five eight at center basically, that, that, and that's what it's doing. Like instead of Luai hitting the center for a try. Luai's hitting the center, who's stopping and then making space for the, for Todd. Or Luai was running a decoy. Yeah, and that, it's just it's uh, it's it's really killed his supercoach game. Uh, I've been pretty critical of Jai Arrow um, all preseason. I think I was very vocal about how he was a trap. A lot of pushback on that, but I think he's been ordinary. Uh, he's averaged fifty this year, uh, considering what we know that he could have done. Back starting in the back row now, but just the work rate isn't there for him. Another one, I don't know if we call him a flop, but Charlie Staines. Coming into the preseason with with all the hype in the world, one of the most hyped up players I can remember in a long time. 
how do we feel about Staines? Like, oh. yeah, like he just ugh. Staines. I had the problem at the start of the year, and we we've all had we all have that one cheapy center that does it to us every week. I played that guy. It would be a good matchup, and he'd get ten, and he'd have a base of like five for the game. And then the week that I wouldn't play him against a hard team, like Cam- I think I remember there was a Canberra game in round five for early in the year and he scored a double and he you know, scored 91 points or something. That was stains for me. I pretty much got none of his scores. Obviously, the rolling joke on this channel is Cody Ramsey. Uh, I think he's been the biggest disappointment in my side. Moved to fullback. He, I thought he'd be a brilliant purchase over the buy period. I think I bought him for 280k. Him at fullback, I thought, awesome, this is going to be great. Like, he's going to be the Duffy replacement long-term. And, yeah, that, that didn't pan. I don't think he got a score above 45. So, that that was pretty brutal. Uh, there's been plenty of guys that, that have flopped. But I think there's also been plenty of guys that have succeeded quite well. But there's too many names to touch on. Ryan Sloder asks, is Cleary worth holding? He's worried that they're going to keep dropping him all year into the finals. Now, I don't know if I'm a pessimistic Cleary draft owner. But I just can't see them going into finals footy without him playing some kind of like having some kind of footy under his belt, you'd think they, they're going to use around 23, 24, 25 to, to get his chemistry gelling back with the side. I don't know if I'm being pessimistic here, but I just can't see him going into September footy with, with no match experience or match fitness, sorry. Cleary will play this week. You reckon? Absolutely, 100%. Oh, all right, that's, a, that's, that's, that's Bruce bold call that Cleary is 100% playing this week. Uh, I really hope he does. It's going to make my life easier for draft, uh, definitely. Uh, and... I hope he doesn't because <laughs> I don't own him, and that might hurt. But I a hundred percent. All right, clip that up. Uh, we'll, we'll clip that up for your first appearance on the show. Uh, Anthony Biscotto asks thoughts on my boy Reese Walsh. I love watching him play. I do love watching him play. Uh, I just, I just love watch. I just love watching now, him. Now. He's got a sword. <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, that was Gutherson actually for me with the ponytail, top knot look. Oh, Gutho, did you say Gutho with that with that did you say Gutho with that Samoan rat tail like a week ago? Yeah. It was horrendous. I'm I know why he shaved it off before last week's game now. <laughs> Alright, thoughts on Reese Walsh? Uh well I'm not sure if I would pick him over Tedesco or Ponga, but if you are a head to head player or a little bit further back and really like to pot up on the way home, absolutely. But, I haven't actually looked too much into their draw. Oh, the, um, the so Warriors! To... The Warriors draw rate is is unreal. It's nearly as good as the it's nearly as good as the Knights. Walsh is five hundred and sixty three k. They've got the Bulldogs, the Broncos, the Raiders, and the Titans to come home. So in this situation, what I normally used to do was I would look at the players in combination. Uh, so if I did go Walsh, and then that meant I could say go Payne Haas compared to this player and say Tedesco or someone that is of a higher price. That's yeah, how I look at make basically the FPL role, mate. Look at your look at your budget you've got for two players and work out what you can do with those two players. Yeah. The best combination of points, especially if you're head to head as well. Yeah, if, if Tedesco is going to score twenty points more than than Walsh, but your front row replacement's only going to score ten points more, it's it's better to go the Tedesco route, obviously, but if they're pretty even Particularly this season, because I don't see many people really ever taking that C off Turbo. Yeah, exactly. I think Turbo is a lock in your in your fullback one slot, and then it's a case of who you're going to run outside of him. I think that's a, that's a fantastic point you bring up. You look at look at your prediction model and as to how you think they're going to perform um, overall. If you think if you think that you know, the, the two players you're bringing in that include Walsh versus the two players you bring in include Teddy, 
if you th- if you think they score pretty evenly, I would take Walsh just because of the the ownership percentage. You mentioned prediction model and and you mentioned FPL, so I will mention something. This season, something I did was based on FPL, uh, which is where you highlight basically games in green, amber, and red based on draw. I did that for my entire side for 10 weeks to look ahead as to who had the draw. In fact, I did it right up to the buy to start the season, and I picked my team based on that. Yeah, you look at the you look at the fixture difficulty, you look at the trackers, these are what separates the the top super coaches and it's 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 valuable insight to have from from someone that is, that is ranked as high as you are and, and sort of get the secrets as to how you did so well. Mate, Pat Gillow, when is Fisher Harris back? Thoughts on TBJ's predicted game time. He's got both. Fisher Harris, we know he's back next week. Mate, I don't want to touch on the TPJ situation. It's gonna bring up a lot of a lot of tears for a lot of people that have been in a similar situation. I just can't see TPJ coming back and playing footy again this year, to be honest. Uh, I know he's in the 21. I don't expect him to play this week. If he does play for the Panthers at all, I think he will play a wrecking ball. I just think he'll come on a little bit like Leota did last season. He will just go bonkers for 25 minutes and then he'll get pulled off. I don't think he's going to be... Like, I'll probably get a chance the arm and maybe play him for the talent that he has in a good side as opposed to playing for the Broncos. But I don't think that he's going to be what people think. I don't think he's going to get 60 or 70 minutes for them. I think he's just going to come on, try and break teams up the middle, high impact, and then get pulled off. I, I Like I said, with with the situation, if anyone doesn't know what the situation is, do some Googling. It's not hard to find out. It's not my place to say, but... I just think with the with the trauma that's going on in his life, I'd be very, very surprised to see him play this week, next week even that. And he may be back for 24, but 25, I don't know when they're going to use him. He'll be valuable in the finals. But as you said, man, I think 25 minutes, 30 minutes max, he'll come on. He did that at the Broncos this year. I remember when Kevy had him off the bench, he was he was playing 25-minute stints and pumping out 50 points in that stint. He had like a two-point, yeah. a two-ppm at one stage. And yeah, I really like that. 15 offloads. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I, think, I don't think that's going to be the, the case at Penrith. I, I don't think Ivan Cleary is going to want him throwing manic offloads. I think he just wants a nice structured play, get Fisher-Harris rolling, get Isaiah Yo rolling, Leota, TPJ. I, I just I don't see him having the, the huge impact that he had at the Broncos when he sort of had license, uh, license to roam. Mate, you've got no trades this week. We're done with the Q&As. Captains we've touched on. Uh, your goal, you said for the season, is to, to finish top 500 considering base the situation you have. If you'd have more trades, you're obviously looking at a higher finish. But uh, if we came back in five weeks' time and said, the position that you're in now with no trades, you still finish in the top 500, that'd be a very successful season for you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, like, if, if you told me at the start of the season, look, you'll you'll be up there for the pretty much the whole year. I've been ranked top 100 to 200 for about 14 weeks now. So I've held my position. If I now finish in the top 1,000, I'll, I'll be happy. Um, disappointed if if I do drop out of the 500, but I'll still be happy. Finishing top 1,000 is an achievement. Yeah, top 1,000 uh, is fantastic. People think top 1,000 is just a sort of mandatory for a lot of coaches, but you've got to think top 1,000 is putting you in the top 1% of players. And, and for anyone that sort of struggled this year, even if you finish in the round, the round the top 15K, like that's still a, a pretty good season. That puts you in the top 10% of players. And if you lined up every super coacher and said you're better than 1 in 10, uh, I think coaches have to take that. I think... I see this a lot of times. People are very, very hard on themselves, aren't they, in Supercoach? You know what? I've been playing Supercoach since it was Sportal 15 years ago. Whisper, you probably were in kindergarten at that point in time. I, I was I was a mere twinkle in the eye. I started, I started playing in 2014. 
Um, but yeah, you, you hear the stories of the Telegraph when you had to send your teams through the paper as well. So I've had high fishes. I fished 203, I think about four or five years ago. And then I've had shockers. The last couple of seasons going into this season, I just had no luck. I was almost cursed. People would be like, oh, they used to label it as I brewed people. Because... Oh, no, yeah, I've, I've been given the whisper curse this year, mate, because everything I touch but, uh, falls, falls apart. But then you just need to ride the luck. This year, my captain average, I haven't calculated in two weeks, but I think two weeks ago, my captain average was like 141. That's insane. Yeah, and, that, and that's that's pretty much what it is. Nailing your captains. Look, if um if we get you on to do some more content sort of later in the year or, or even during the preseason, the, the biggest bit of advice I can give people is just to... And it sounds boring, isn't it? But play it safe. There's a reason why these players are highly owned. And if you play it safe, you're not going to fall behind the pack. If you're going to make pod moves, this is the time to make them. I don't feel you should make them early in the rounds. But going back to, to the to the rankings and whatnot, people are just way too hard on themselves in Supercoach and... At the end of the day, it is just a game. But if, even if you finish in the top 15K, that is still in the top 10% of teams. And, and as I said, if you lined yourself up against one in 10 people and said, I'm, I'm better than you at this, you'd take that, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. That's a great but, season. I'm very happy with my season. If I if I don't play for the rest of the year and I end up you know, finishing 2,500 or 5,000, I've had a great year. But that's that's the thing, mate. It's, it is all about luck. Uh, my top... I've had, I've had two top 100 finishes. Both of those were very, very luck-based. Uh Captain Bronson's Jerry in 2019. I think I was one of the only people that did that. He scored 110. So it it is all about luck in this game. Like you, you can do all the research, but if your star player goes down with a HIA in the first five minutes, stats don't stats don't predict that, do they? Uh, this year, I've just backed my gut. Everyone told me don't trade Tedesco. I traded Tedesco. Everyone told me don't buy Matt Dufty. I bought Matt Dufty and captained Matt Dufty on the boat and killed it that round. And these are just decisions where I said, you know what? In my gut. This is what's going to happen, and it happened. Yeah, I think a lot of people do get swayed um, by external external noise. And the podcast, that there are some fantastic ones that, that go out there. I've obviously got mine. You've got other guys like Playbook, Experience, All-Stars, 360. Like you can name a plethora of podcasts, but at the end of the day, it's your team. We can give you all the information that we have at hand, but if you have a hunch, like go on that hunch, and, and you touched on the Tedesco point. I had the, I had the, the similar hunch with selling Tedesco, and I didn't pull the trigger, and it just shows you the disparity in the team, same with Nico Hines. I had a hunch that um, that Nico Hines. Th- this this shows you the highs and lows of trusting your gut. I had a, I had a hunch to sell Tedesco and I didn't do it. It turned out to be the best move to sell to sell Tedesco. I also had a hunch that not to buy Nico Hines because his, his shelf life was limited. I think Pappenhausen had that AC injury. He was out for three weeks. The the week that that Pappenhausen came back, Munster went down, and it's just a revolve. Same with Matt Burton. I didn't jump on Matt Burton early, so. Um, it is it is a luck based game, but trust your gut. And uh, yeah, I think it's valuable information to come from someone who is currently uh, in the top zero point five percent of team players or whatever it is. So having a ridiculous season, mate. We'll get you back on th- uh, Sunday if you're happy to come back on. We'll get you back on for the rest of the year. And uh, yeah, I think the people are going to really enjoy getting insight from uh, from a player that's having a successful season as you, mate. Beautiful. Thanks for having me on, and I would love to be back on soon. Not a worry. Uh, Guys, as always, keep your friends close and keep your pods closer.